0: Each week, I'll interview a crowdfunding success story, an inspirational entrepreneur, or a business expert in order to help you take your startup to the next level with crowdfunding. Art of the Kickstart is honored to be sponsored by Backerkit and the Gadget Flow. Backerkit makes software that crowdfunding project creators use to survey backers, organize data and manage orders for fulfillment by automating your operations and helping you print and ship faster. The Gadget Flow is a product discovery platform that helps you discover, save, and buy awesome products. It is the ultimate buyer's guide for luxury gadgets and creative gifts. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to another edition of Art of the Kickstart. Today I am joined with Kurt Swanson from the Capsule team. Kurt, thank you so much for joining us.
1: All right, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me on.
0: So it's awesome to have a repeat client on the show. Just going through the list, you guys were episode 140, so almost a hundred episodes ago, which seems like you know about two years, which is you know makes sense. You know, a couple of years ago, we interviewed your CFO, marketing specialist Justin. Like I said on episode 140, now we get the pleasure of talking to you, Kurt, the CEO of Capsule. So let's talk about Capsule, or many crowdfunding backers or listeners of the show will know it as Noria. Let's talk about that. I guess to begin with, you know, you guys have a new name. What what happened there? At some point last year, we were contacted by an international trademark holder and uh, thought that Oreo was a unique and a great name that we loved.
1: But you know, to avoid any kind of dispute, we uh, rebranded early this year uh, to Capsule. We spent a lot of time developing the new brand, and we love it. I think it's a great brand, and I want to be in the business of making air conditioners. We didn't want to fight about a trademark, so we have gone all in on the new capsule brand.
0: So when you guys were thinking of the original name, Noria, what research did you do into it to potentially protect yourself at the time being?
1: Well, we did do a trade. Clearance. We made sure that no one had Morica yeah, as a trademark. There was some diligence done on our end to make sure there were no collisions there. But uh, frankly, you know, I think we could have done more expansive trademark clearance with an attorney.
0: So, is that what happened on the second go around now? You guys did the search there and did some brainstorming on new ideas? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, we brainstormed a lot of ideas. You know, we considered hundreds of names. You know, we got to names that we were interested in, we would submit those to council, who would then do a clearance study to make
1: sure to, that we were, we were all set. And, and uh, we were surprised along the way with a lot of the names that we found, actually, you know, were potential collisions, I'll call them. So we, we uh, came to capsule after quite a bit of internal discussion and external review.
0: So I, I'm always captivated by, you know, internal brainstorming for company or product names. Did you guys follow a certain flow or did you all get drunk and just start throwing out names? How, how did that go down?
1: You know, it, it actually, it came together over several months. And one of the things that we did was we had some mentorship help for some people who had done naming exercise before. And frankly, we had a very large Google Doc with all these prospective names, number of Dedicated sessions where everyone was in a conference room. The whole team got together. Everyone talked about each name that we had on this list, and we just went through it. We got to a, a short list. Uh, we submitted that final list to council, and then when we, we got back, the approved
0: names. We down selected from there, and, and you know we made some stylistic choices with the way a, a capsule is spelled, and I couldn't be happier with the result. But it was a result of actually quite a bit of intelligence on our part. It wasn't a casual affair. Yeah, I bet. So we recently had a client and a guest on the show for a product called Sun Dots, which is basically a vitamin to protect your skin from the sun's harmful rays. And similar to you, they got a letter saying, oh, this is a trademark term. And what they did, which was unique, was they went right back out to their crowd and said, hey, crowd, so we need to change our name here's a Facebook contest, you know, publish or post all of the names that we should be now. And I think they got a list of over 700 new names, basically, where the crowd basically, you know, sourced the new company name. And, you know, the winner of that got a year's worth of product and a few other gifts and bonuses. Any thoughts on, you know, doing that to your crowd at the time when you were going through that?
1: I don't think we, we went to the crowd on that regard, but that's, of course, one of the, you know, powerful things about having, a crowdsourced product is that you get to leverage those inputs we did uh,
0: get some suggestions i believe from some of our backers but it wasn't something that we solicited in a big way Now, got it so let's let's jump in i know you know since the last time we talked to justin in episode 140 a lot has happened with your project you want to get us up to speed Sure.
1: Yeah. So we launched our crowdfunding campaign ended a little over two years ago. You know, we've spent we spent the first eighteen months or so really struggling through uh, uh, achieving energy efficiency requirements in the United States, which, which just so happened to change right around the beginning of the project. The window air conditioners are actually uh, American energy standards are some of the most stringent in the world for window air conditioners in particular. Just getting those uh, those efficiency numbers to work and the form factor that we set out to achieve, the form factor that that all of our backers loved, it was uh, very difficult. It took eight major redesigns to achieve the energy efficiency rate we needed
0: to be able to move forward with the project. Uh, So that's technically a high-level overview of the things we've been through to to get ready for production. And right now, we're we're getting uh, samples back from our manufacturer. We're testing those in our windows. It's bug free and all the firmware is working before we jump into production in Q3, Q4 this year for delivery next spring. So I'm just looking through all the project updates, following along. And back in April of last year, you guys had a title of designing a motor for the world's most advanced window air conditioner. You want to dive in on that one? So
1: just to give you, something, you know, everyone a high level about our product, this is a relatively complex system. I mean, people look at window air conditioners and they. Seem relatively simple, but to make our form factor work and to make it quiet, easy to use, and easy to install required major redesigns of all the subcomponents. We have a custom compressor from our compressor manufacturer, we have a custom fan motor that was developed for this product, and we work closely with the suppliers of the motors to make sure that they met the requirements for both. Power and efficiency, but also things like making sure that they had a, a sine wave driver, so that you didn't have a, a tone associated with the, the motor itself. So there was a lot of effort to go, in, you know, that went into all of the subcomponents to make this product work, and it just was significantly more complex and time-consuming than we ever anticipated at the start.
0: So last month, you guys ended up going on kind of a, a East Coast tour with the capsule. You guys hit up, like, two or three, Boston, Philly, New York. How did that end up going, and what, what was the feedback from the crowd?
1: Oh, that was really great. So we, we, did, we went to Boston, Brooklyn, and Manhattan, and, of course, Philadelphia. You know, it was great. It was really well attended in all three locations. I think we had at least 40 people attend in each of the locations. And what, it was great to see everyone's feedback. A lot of people took off work. Some people drove from out of state. And when I our Philadelphia location, we had a couple of backers. They drove from Virginia to see the product in person. Of course, there's been a lot of anticipation, as you can imagine, on the part of our backers. But to have everyone there was really exciting and really motivating because, you know, so much you know hard work has gone into this project from the start. And to see the final product in front of everyone, see how people interact with it, and positive feedback, it, it was really exciting. And of course, we get some really useful information from our backers you know going back to what you were talking about earlier with with crowdsourced information it was helpful and we have some ideas for you know additional add-on products that people are asking for small accessories that'll help in, the, in, in their ownership and operation of the product you know we're, these are all new things that we're considering now as a result of their feedback so that's really cool
0: definitely so I know with crowdfunding campaigns, delays are inevitable, but any advice for the entrepreneurs out there to, you know, what they can do to potentially avoid running into delays?
1: You know, a great question. I, I think the best answer is to have a crystal ball uh, <laughs> so that you know in advance all the things that you're going to have to deal with. But you know, I, I think actually the, really the right answer is to set realistic expectations and to provide realistic uncertainty to so your backers up front that, um, if a couple of things have gone right the first year we would have been on time but because of the number of iterations required and then the seasonality of the product you know it doesn't make sense to deliver air conditioners in the winter i think people should convey the uncertainty associated with launching a new product and doing all this r&d they should convey that to their backers because it's it's really hard I've, i've been an engineer for over a decade my whole career i've been and engineering and the, one of the things that's really hard to know at the outset especially when you're doing new r&d is to know how long it'll take it's hard to predict how quickly innovation and will happen especially because this is you know a team that we've done product development before for a, for other as a business we've worked together as a team before this project and you know in our careers before that you know we recognized that um, Even when you're doing something you've done a hundred times before, there can be delays. And when you're doing something like this, a really revolutionary new product, there's just a huge amount of uncertainty at the outset. And that's always like a a trade-off. People have to, you know, we did a lot of upfront work. We probably could have done even more. But at the same time, people use Kickstarter, I think rightfully so, as a way to gauge, does the universe want this product to exist? And, you know, I think a lot of people enter a Kickstarter campaign not knowing what the result would be ourselves and you know there's a point you say well there's we've done a lot of research on this product we have prototypes we've done a lot of the initial groundwork do we launch it and uh, it's always a tough decision to know if you've done enough work before the kickstarter campaign if i had my crystal ball back then that you know i probably would have done a little more groundwork in advance sure but having said that you know uh, this product i can say wholeheartedly would not exist without this without the kickstarter campaign when you see some products out there, you know, that well-funded startups, you know, they're completely ready to manufacture they're almost already ready to manufacture and they're bringing products to Kickstarter. That's a very different thing than what we did. We were a team of creators who wanted to change a whole industry and it was, it's really only possible because of Kickstarter.
0: So you guys ended up hiring a community manager a few months ago. Was that kind of out of the need for customer service or just the amount of delays that were coming on or just the need to, you know, prime the market for when the product comes out next spring? I think those are all, you know, there's a lot of good reasons that we uh, hired a community manager,
1: but I think really what it comes down to is we have a large community. We owe it to them to communicate with everyone individually. And, uh, you know, before we brought, uh, Caitlin, our community manager, in, uh, it was, uh, uh, you know, while we were you know, hair on fire trying to get all engineering done and get production ready, we just weren't able to devote the time that our backers deserved. And so, you know, for all the reasons you mentioned, uh, we brought Caitlin on. And actually, it's been great to have Caitlin helping out communicating with our backers about the timeline because if nothing else, I think in addition to a product, we owe backers the ability to be on this journey with us and it just was so much easier with having someone devoted to that full time.
0: Absolutely. So what would you do differently if you could start all over again and look into that crystal ball? We certainly would have hired a community manager earlier. People are, and, and I think that would have allowed us to put more into the update process to give people insight about the setbacks and
1: successes we've had along the way. I think that's something I would have, would done, have done more. So that you know, I, again, I, I think that letting the backers in on the journey that we're going through is really important, and I wish we had done a better
0: job of that at the outset. So what tip would you have for someone about to launch their first Kickstarter campaign? Well, you know, I've certainly been asked about it in advance, about this from other people who have reached out to say, you know, what advice do you have for me as a potential Kickstarter project? My advice has been really what I've talked about so far, convey uncertainty and delivery timelines, Right. Most people who get on to Kickstarter understand that they're backing a project, and this is not a store, as Kickstarter likes to say. I think it's important to convey in the campaign that we have an estimated timeline. There's uncertainty in a timeline for the launch of a new product, and to be, to-, to be totally upfront about that uncertainty. Fair enough. All right, Kurt, this is going to get us into our launch round, where I'm going to rapid-fire a handful of questions at you. You good to go? Yeah. So what inspired you to be an entrepreneur? I started the business
1: before this because I wanted to have the experience of not only developing products, but being able
0: to control my own destiny in that regard, for better or worse. If you could meet an entrepreneur throughout history, who would it be? Thomas Edison. Nice. What would have been your first question for him? My first question
1: would have been, so how much of the invention did you really do yourself?
0: There you go. Who did you look up to when you were growing up?
1: You know, the easy answer is uh, my dad. But I think, you know, in terms of people uh, historically that I looked up to, I really enjoyed science fiction writers like Michael Craig and uh, Arthur C. Clarke. Uh, they wrote great stories, but what they really did that I, that I loved was create these worlds that uh, were based around scientific advancement, which is something that's
0: really resonated. with me. That's a nice transition in my next question. What business book or life book would you recommend to our listeners?
1: Hmm, that's a tough one. I think there's a, there's a lot of good ones out there. And I frankly haven't, haven't had much opportunity to read, over uh, the past year. But I'd say James Dyson's book, the title eludes me right now, but I, I recommend James Dyson's book on how he uh, created
0: his, and launched his business. Uh, I recommend that one. Nice. Last question, Kurt. What does the future of crowdfunding look like?
1: The future of crowdfunding looks like more equity-based solutions. I know that there's many available right now, but I think that there will be a shakeout in those platforms and that there will be a few smaller equity crowdfunding sites, such as, you know, Kickstarter and Indiegogo are
0: kind of the big guys for direct pre-order crowdfunding. I think we'll see consolidation and the emergence of one, two, maybe three, really strong crowdfunding equity sites. And I believe that we'll see more companies launch that way. Awesome. I agree. Well, Kurt, this has been awesome. This is your opportunity to give our audience your pitch. Tell them what you're all about, where people should go, and why they should check you out.
1: Here at Capsule, we're building the world's first premium home comfort brand. And our launch product is a window air conditioner that's half the height. Twice as quiet as traditional air conditioners. It's safe and easy to install. It's smart connected and it's beautiful both inside and outside the home. Like I said, it's just our launch product. We have ambitions to be a premium brand that's recognized the world over, and we're gonna be moving into dehumidifiers and other associated room comfort devices in the future.
0: Awesome. Are you gonna be crowdfunding those, Kurt? No, that remains to be I
1: think right now we're gauging interest through our site. And if there's a lot of support in that regard, we may consider one of the platforms. But right now we've switched to a direct pre-order through our website. We leverage a platform called TriCelery to take those reservations in advance. And I suspect we'll probably use that almost certainly when we launch our future
0: products nice yeah seller is a great product chris is an awesome owner there but this has been great audience thank you for tuning in make sure to visit arto the for the notes the transcript links to everything we talked about today and of course thank you to our crowdfunding podcast sponsors the gadget flow and backer kit and if you love this episode as much as i did make sure to leave us a review on itunes kurt thank you so much for being our guest today on art of the kickstart great pleasure talking to you Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Art of the Kickstart, the show about building a business, world, and life with crowdfunding. If you've enjoyed today's episode, awesome. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com and tell us all about it. There you'll find additional information about past episodes, our Kickstarter guide to crushing it. And of course, if you love this episode a lot, leave us a review at artofthekickstart.com slash iTunes. It helps more inventors, entrepreneurs, and startups find this show and helps us get better guests